Hello, everyone. Jody Heiss here with you. Welcome to the Freedom Caucus podcast. We are honored to have you on board with us today. We've got an exciting program lined up. So let's get underway. It is no shock to any of you listening today that the economy continues to boom. In fact, March produced another strong jobs report, and it's just been an exciting time with what's happening in our economy. Let me go through some of the quick facts that have been happening ever since President Trump took office. Since he took office, we have had five and a half million new jobs added to the U.S. economy. That is spectacular. In addition, I talked about March just a little while ago. March actually gave us the 13th month in a row with unemployment at 4% or below. Again, nothing shy of spectacular. Unemployment for adult women is at 3.3%. That's the lowest since the 1950s. Oh, these are just unbelievable stats here. Unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans have all reached record lows. And hourly wages are growing as well. And to me, what's extremely exciting about this is that wages are growing faster than inflation, which means that there's actually real money in the pockets of hardworking Americans. Blue-collar jobs have grown faster than they have done in the last 30 years. So on and on and on we go. And all of this just in the last little over two years ever since Trump took office. And there's a couple of reasons for all of this. On the one hand, the Trump administration has done an outstanding job cutting regulations. And of course, regulations are suffocating to businesses. So as regulations have been cut back, businesses have been allowed to grow and create more jobs. In addition to that, as we all know, Republicans were able to pass a very bold pro-growth tax reform package Uh, That also contributed tremendously to our economy and just the outstanding opportunities that are out there. So it's simple. If you cut taxes, if you cut regulations, you put more money in the pockets of job creators, then what they do with that money is invest in their businesses, invest in their employees, and the economy grows all across the country. Now, for that to happen, obviously that's good for Americans all over the country. It's good for right now for you and me to experience a growing economy and have more money in our pocket. But also, that helps enormously for our opportunity to deal with the national debt, which as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, $22 trillion now. Now look, the only ways that you can deal with a debt, you you have two options. You have to decrease spending and increase revenue. That's the only way you can deal with debt. And so when we have a growing, thriving, booming economy, obviously that helps tremendously on the revenue side. But what we've also got to do is decrease spending. And of course, the Democrats have been unwilling to help us in that regard. But to have a continued strong economy is essential to dealing with a national debt. So we've got to focus on how to continue moving our economy forward. And without a doubt, one of the best ways to do that is to utilize the vast energy resources that we have here in America. And so we've got 
multiple opportunities, and I am one of the all of the above type of uh, individuals. I believe in using wind and solar uh, and, and every fossil fuels, uh, nuclear, everything we have available, all of the above, we need to, to utilize as we have this tremendous opportunity to utilize energy to continue seeing a booming economy here in America. And in that whole uh, scheme of things, it is the marketplace that needs to drive it all. Uh, and it is within that context that America's, uh, Americans are able to choose what they want, the cheapest, the best uh, type of energy uses as they can. Competition fosters innovation, and innovation uh, is good for everyone. Now, joining us today as our guest is a, a fellow Freedom Caucus colleague. He's a neighbor from South Carolina, Congressman Jeff Duncan. Jeff is a guru, if you will, at energy. He is one of the new co-chairs of the House Energy Action Team. We call it HEAT. Uh, this is a, a coalition of members in the House of Representatives who are focused on bringing safe, clean, and reliable energy to the American people. And when we have the radical Green New Deal, uh, it's, it's my honor to work with Jeff Duncan and the other co-chair of the HEAT, uh, Mark Wayne Mullins out of Oklahoma, and also Whip Steve Scalise. Uh, we're trying to get the Green New Deal on the floor, and we'll talk a, a little bit more about that. But the Green New Deal, it, it, the heart of it is it, it, it would overhaul our entire nation by, by making us a nation of government-controlled everything. We're not simply talking about socialism. We're talking about policies that are antithetical to our American ideals completely. And the American people need to know which of their members of Congress support the Green New Deal and this harmful policy. So after Easter, I will be filing a discharge petition to try to force a vote uh, on this Green New Deal. Now remember, folks, the Green New Deal would cost like $93 trillion. I mean, that's like more than the GDP of the entire world combined. $93 trillion. This would have a massive impact on our economy that's that's doing so well right now but it would the the ramifications would go far beyond that it would certainly make the poor poorer and the rich more wealthy it would just uh, it, it would impact everything so let's just go ahead and get right to our guest today i referred to him a little while ago as an energy guru and i'd said that because he is uh, Jeff Duncan pr knows more about energy than anybody I know up here on Capitol Hill. Uh, as I mentioned, he's from South Carolina. He's a proud Clemson Tiger, and I try my best not to hold that against him. But he actually played football at Clemson, and uh, maybe, maybe Jeff will, will maybe if you're really good, we might let you say something about <laughs> Clemson. Um, may, may get a go dog in here before the day is out. I can say go dogs. Then we're going to let you stay. Uh, uh, but he came to Congress really on the Tea Party wave, and I can tell you, folks, Jeff has been a staunch defender of your freedoms uh, ever since he's been here. He's a founding member of the House Freedom Caucus. Not too many uh, of the founding members here, but Jeff is one of them. Prior to coming to the U.S. House of Representatives, 
He was a South Carolina state representative for eight years. Before that, he was president and CEO of a real estate marketing firm and a banker here in Congress. In addition to being the co-chair of HEAT, he also sits on the Energy and Commerce Committee. He and his wife, Melody, have been married for 30 years and have three children. Jeff, I can't tell you how honored I am to have you here. Well, Jody, it's great to be on, and uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for focusing today on energy, and uh, energy is a vital component. You know, being in a minority is very difficult uh, in this Congress to focus on the things that we know will help the economy and move our, our country forward, uh, especially in the realm of energy, because you've got um, Alexandra Orcasio-Cortez talking about the Green New Deal, and, and she's really sucking all the air out of the room. Uh, she's getting a lot of airtime on uh, a very socialist government takeover of about uh, 70 something percent of our economy and so uh, something that costs 93 trillion dollars that's the green new deal is something that all conservatives all republicans really all americans ought to push back against absolutely and you and i have uh, we almost share right between the middle of us a uh, plant vogel nuclear uh, plant in between georgia's a little bit south of you but it's all in the same general uh, area for both of us. And as you mentioned, the Green New Deal, uh, last week we had a, a, a hearing on this type of thing. And, you know, the, the, the Democrats don't even like nuclear energy, and they, they talk about all the greenhouse gases that are emitted. But obviously that's not the reality when we're talking nuclear energy. It's very, very clean. So uh, can you talk about uh, about nuclear energy and the importance that it needs to play in the the big picture yeah i I mean absolutely you mentioned vogel and i applaud the state of georgia and and uh, southern power for continuing with that nuclear plant so first new nuclear reactor that will come online in probably 30 years and um it's really a good thing we had one going on in south carolina and it was mismanaged and it doesn't look like it's going to happen but if we're going to meet our our electrical energy needs uh, going forward um, nuclear is going to be a big part of that. And when you talk about the Green New Deal and you talk about you know, climate change and trying to lower uh, carbon emissions, nuclear power is almost emissions-free. And uh, so we constantly, with the House Energy Action Team and on the Energy and Commerce Committee, continue to push back against the Democrats and focus on nuclear power and how it needs to be a component if you're going to talk about lowering carbon emissions. Uh, nuclear is a, a big part of that, and I think... Uh, one, one amendment we had on a bill last week in Energy and Commerce, 21-hour markup, they had H.R. 9, which was a Green New Deal um, initiative, basically forcing the president to enter the Paris Climate Accord. And we offered a lot of amendments to that that were common sense. Mark Wayne Mullen had one that, that uh, basically said we wouldn't enter the Paris Climate Accord until Russia and China were part of that because they're large, two of the largest uh, polluters when it comes to carbon emissions in the world. You throw Indian in that, but his amendment was only on Russia and China. And so uh, they couldn't even support that. And then I offered one that, that said, uh, um, in fact, mine was on uh, Russia and China, wasn't it? Um, Mark Wayne had one on, on that, and then we had one uh, as well. But nuclear power needs to be a big part of this. And when you think about what China and Russia are doing in the nuclear arena, they're bringing nuclear power back into their focus. Yeah, they are. And they're actually, China's experimenting and working on something that we worked on as a nation back in the 1960s called molten salt reactors or thorium reactors, a different type of nuclear material called thorium, which ironically, your part of uh, Georgia and my part of South Carolina has a lot of thorium uh, that could be mined there, uh, what I understand. But so a molten salt reactor actually 
won't get into a Three Mile Island or a Chernobyl type instance because it actually puts itself out. The molten salt uh, has a way of, uh, of just, if it, this is a runaway reaction, will actually burn itself out. Well, what kind of, I mean, let's get down to where, where our listeners live. You, you, the, say these nuclear um, reactors are, are finished, everything's uh, in place. Um, what, how many people are able to be served from uh, these reactors, and why are these so important that we continue to move forward in this as, as a nation? Right. Well, they're great job creators, both in the construction side, as you're seeing there in Augusta, Georgia, um, but then good-paying long-term jobs once the reactor's up and running, uh, whether it's at uh, Duke Energy's uh, Kiwi facility or down at Vogel in Augusta, uh, good-paying jobs. In South Carolina, we get about 58% of all of our electricity is generated by nuclear power. So that's, a, that's a huge amount. Oh, gosh, yes. That's why we needed to bring a new reactor online there in South Carolina, because if you're thinking forward and you want to meet your 365, 24-7 baseload power supply, that means folks always own power supply, uh, which we take for granted in this country. If you want to meet that demand, um, you can meet it through nuclear power, hydropower, or fossil fuel-generated power. But not um, solar and Solar wind. and wind are intermittent. Right. The sun's not always shining. The wind's not always blowing. And we don't have the technology in place right now to store that energy when it's uh, produced so that it is available 24-7, 365, always on. And um, so fossil fuels and nuclear power are a big part of our electrical generation. South Carolina, 58% is produced by uh, nuclear power. So nuclear has got to be a part of this. And even the governor of Connecticut gets it because they were getting ready to decommission a reactor in Connecticut. And he realized that if they truly wanted to meet their target for emissions, um, that they needed to have nuclear power as a part of this. So he decided to get that relicensed and keep that nuclear power plant online versus decommission it. And uh, I applaud him for that. Yeah. He's recognized that nuclear energy needs to be a big part of our, our energy matrix. Um, but fossil fuels needs to be a part of that as it's, well. We it's all abundance of, the of natural gas. It's a part of it now. And it needs to be a broadening part of our energy matrix here in this country because it's clean burning and we have an abundance of it. Uh, so much so that we have uh, LNG, natural gas that can be liquefied, available to ship overseas to help our European allies lessen their dependence on Putin and Russia, um, but also to improve the quality of life of so many people around the globe. Uh, one thing I like to talk about, Jody, is that um, we take for granted that always on power here. But even in Eastern Europe and even third world countries, they don't have a stable, always on power supply. They can't keep incubators going and they have a high infant mortality rate because they don't have a good, stable uh, electrical grid and electrical system. We can help with that by exporting our LNG to these countries. And, um, and I like to talk about uh, an initiative like we had uh, when Lyndon Johnson was running for, uh, for Congress back in the, the 1960s. Uh, that would have been in the 1950s, and that was an electric co-op initiative. So he said we ought to have electric cooperatives in Texas to help build out the hill country and provide power to those rural farms. Well, if you take that same concept and think about Afghanistan or you think about Africa and they can create cooperatives, we'll have to help some, but then they start building out a grid system, and then they put a fossil fuels, natural gas-generated power plant there to provide 24-7, 365, always-on power. What does that mean for the average person in a third-world country? That means that their quality of life just went up. That means they have lights. They have refrigeration to keep their food fresh. 
they have the ability to cook over something other than wood or charcoal or coal or, or dung or whatever they're using that is emitting an air quality particulate that they're breathing in. So air quality uh, and, and the health issues that come from that is a big issue in third world countries. And so they're now cooking their food over natural gas or electrical uh, stoves. They're keeping their food fresh in refrigeration. Uh, they're able to, to cool their house with electricity and, and air conditioning. They can actually put glass windows in the windows to keep the mosquitoes out that are bringing all sorts of uh, illnesses in like malaria and yellow fever. And so the quality of life has just gone up. Drastically. By electricity fossil fuel generated, American provided, sold LNG, produced here in this country, exported to help improve the quality of life of so many people around the world. That's why fossil fuels has got to be a part of the energy matrix, not only in the United States, but around the world. Well, that's uh, incredible to look at it from that perspective, Jeff. And there's a couple of things that you brought up with that when specifically uh, when talking about LNG going to Eastern Europe, where currently they rely so heavily upon Russia, all of a sudden this becomes a national security issue uh, as well as just a, an exporting energy issue. But then what you described on the other, I mean, that becomes a moral issue where you're really lifting people out of poverty and changing their lifestyle by getting energy to them. The, the scope of this is much bigger than just turning a light switch on and off. Really and I think it's, it's important for people to understand this. And you mentioned, uh, and I applaud the president for pushing back against Angela Merkel, the, uh, the chancellor in Germany, who Germany was entering in contracts with Putin to buy Russian gas. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You don't need to be giving money to Vladimir Putin. You need to be buying U.S. Right. LNG. Right. And guess what? She reversed course, and now they're creating import terminals there to bring our natural gas in and provide Europe with American-produced LNG. Because that's we have a because we have a president who gets it as well, who yeah. understands it. You mentioned a while ago, and I want to hit on this: the importance of uh, public and private partnerships in this whole energy discussion. How important is that going to be? It's definitely important. And one thing we're doing in South Carolina with Duke Energy and uh, SCNG um, and Clemson University, they have what they call a drivetrain train facility, but there at that in Charleston is a grid simulator. It's the only one that I know of in the country where they can simulate a lot of grid components. So there's a lot of concern about cyber terrorism, about natural events like an EMP that could uh, affect our, our power grid and has affected our power grid in the Northeast. And those were natural EMPs created by solar flares. But Clemson and Duke and, and SCNG and others, Westinghouse, are all working together and in this simulator, they can pop that grid with all sorts of stuff, whether it's a cyber attack or whether it's a, an EMP type event, to test the components, the 21st century components that we're actually putting in our grid system to protect us against a grid failure by an EMP or a grid failure by a cyber attack. And uh, that's where you have a public-private partnership. South Carolina's in, invested some money. I've encouraged Rick Perry, the Secretary of Energy, to go down there and actually look at the, the grid simulator because I think what they're doing down there is cutting edge and it will help keep Americans safe from these incremental events that could happen. Wow. Well, I did notice, by the way, you got Clemson in on that that uh, discussion. Well, well I, look, I my just, blood run at orange. Just, and, just, yeah, I just want to let you know. Well, you know, I did wear my orange tie for you today. I noticed that, but this is radio. One, so, yeah, so yeah, you got the you got the Georgia tie going on. I got the Clemson tie. Let's. Let's kind of start uh, landing the plane here a little bit. Uh, you serve on one of the most powerful committees in Washington, uh, Energy and Commerce. Uh, are there any bills that you guys are working on, some things that you see coming down the pipe 
that um, relate specifically to the whole energy debate? Not really specifically. Uh, we're a minority, and so we're not controlling what's coming up. But one thing that uh, a good friend of mine is doing, um, and somebody in close proximity to me now, is actually forcing the Green New Deal to be brought yes. to the floor for a vote. And I applaud Jody for doing that. Uh, the host of this program's got the initiative. We're going to sign a discharge petition, hopefully bring that bill to the floor, and put the Democrats on record on whether they support or don't support uh, these whacked-out socialist ideas that are being put forth by AOC and others. Well, it really is a big deal. that The Green New Deal really sets the, a great divide between the two parties uh, and really the, the country. What Are we going to go towards a socialist approach with uh, that's going to skyrocket uh, energy cost and uh, allow the government to take over a half of our economy at least? Or are we going to continue looking at innovation and free market uh, solutions and that type of thing? And so uh, what, what I am looking forward, the American people need to know where their representatives stand Absolutely. on that yeah. issue. And so, and I applaud the Senate for bringing that up. And, yeah. you know, one thing I noticed today in the committee meeting we had, and I've noticed for a, a, a sort of a trend here, is that Congress is looking for a solution to the problems that are, whether it's health care or whatever, that Congress perceives the nation has. And uh, to play on Ronald Reagan a little bit here, um, where he said government isn't the solution to the problem we face in America, government is the problem. Well, Democrats aren't the solution to the problems we face in America. Democrats are probably the problem. And uh, in these big socialist programs like the Green New Deal or any sort of climate change Paris Accord is really just more about redistribution. It's about it taking the wealth of America and redistributing it around the world uh, to other countries. And, uh, and that's just wrong. Well, Jeff, I cannot thank you enough for coming and joining us. Uh, like I said, you are kind of my go-to guy when it comes to energy discussions and, and questions. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's great that our listeners have been able to get a taste of who you are and the leadership you're providing on this and many other issues. But thanks for joining us. Well, Jody, thank you. And, uh, you know, my motto is Jobs, Energy, and the Founding Fathers. And uh, and that's an acronym that spells Jeff. I think Jeff's a winning message. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> Jeff is the winning message. Thank you uh, for, for that. And listen, for uh, each of you joining us today, as always, we're honored to have you on board. We'd ask you to consider reviewing this podcast on iTunes. Always encourage you to follow us on Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and also through our Twitter handle, at Freedom Caucus. Again, we thank you for joining us. It's always uh, an honor to have you. Hope you'll be able to join us for our next episode as well. Until then, this is your Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Go dogs. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.